It has. But we're back again. Yes, sir. So just before we jump in here real quick, I just want to give a quick shout out to Alec Beals. Uh, He is responsible for helping us get the artwork set up for the Tiskin podcast. Uh, So when you go to SoundCloud and you check out the uh, audio and the, you know, the layout that's set up in there, you can give him credit for that. Uh, There is a link that is going to be associated with this as well. Uh, So if you have some commission work you need to get done or anything like that, Alex was super easy to work with. Um, And pretty much within like a week or so, we had all of this, uh, this stuff knocked out and he did an amazing job on it. Um, So his Instagram, if you want to find him, is at Alec Beals underscore art. Uh, And again, I'll have this information in the um, podcast site so you can check them out. And uh, thanks, Alex, again, for helping us out with that. So so we've got the chaos stuff dropping here, Mike. Yes, Uh, sir. So Codex Mark II and Vigilus Ablaze. Yeah, so we're going to have to jump into that here today. Yep. But uh, why don't we, before we get to that, we're... We're in the early stages of 2019 here. It's March. Um, why don't we just talk real quick about like where the game is at right now, so that mm-hmm. we jump into this. You know, we have a sense of like if we say, "Oh, well, this is going to be good," or "This isn't going to be good," or this is kind of what what our you know putting our thumb in the wind and kind of saying, "Oh, this is the way the winds are blowing," um, kind of helps us out. So the meta right now my own like non-statistical analysis of this just i've gone to a few tournaments here's what i'm seeing yeah it seems like a lot of people right now are moving towards using eldar flyers yes that is uh definitely very big at the moment and so it's we've been seeing lists where I guess it's like Yanari. You got some, some of them have Reapers, some of them don't. Some of them use scat bikes, some of them use spears. I mean, your essential flavor is you have three Razor Wings, you have a couple of um, uh, LA Talk, Crimson Hunters. Yeah. 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 So, so uh, what do you do against that? <laughs> against that? Uh, curl up into a ball and cry. Um, so, effectively, if you're going to be. If your meta is heavy on that or you're trying to prepare for it, you need options that don't require rolls to hit. So, for instance, orcs, they have the tractor cannons, uh, death watch has frag cannons, anything that classic flamers, because they're only T6, um, are going to be your go-to option there. The, the other option, of course, is if you're Thousand Suns in particular, just smite them off the table. Um, because they are so expensive... Um, they, the, the older players who are going to bring that aren't going to have a ton of psychers, so they can only deny so many attempts. Mm-hmm. And uh, smite doesn't require a roll to hit, so you don't really care. Uh, otherwise, your other uh, last option is to have something that flies that can just assault them things. Yeah. But uh, those things will tend to be focus fired fairly quickly, so you have to be quick about it. And I've also seen that when you use like the flying demon prince, um, there are times where he just completely whiffs, right? Like you yeah. send him in, and even even with their invulnerable and their their feel no pain that they get, I mean they they have the ability to survive his punishment when, when he hits them. And um, there's been a lot of times where I'll I'll throw some smites onto something, throw the demon prince, and 
we whiffed. Um, yeah, just it's so not it's enough. Real, it's kind of why they're taking all the flyers, right? Because it's, it's yeah. a hard thing for a lot of armies to deal with. Now, the one thing to keep in mind, though, is that if the Eldar flyer lists, if you manage to kill everything that isn't a flyer, you win um, because the uh, flyers don't count towards board presence. Now, granted, that's a little more <laughs> harder to do than initially sounds. So what makes it hard to do? So generally speaking, people who are going to be bringing this list are going to have a very mobile um, sort of ground force and will use their flyers to screen off deep strikers, um, which means you have to cross the board conventionally. And even then you can actually literally form a wall of flyer bases that even though they aren't technically there, they still block your ability to move. Um, you can't so, charge through units, right? Yeah, you can't walk or uh, charge through them, and so you're sort of stuck. Uh, it's kind of it's cheesy, um, but yeah. it, that's that's the way the rules are at the moment. Um, the yeah. uh, the in addition to that, I guess the I'm not as uh, plugged into tournaments as you are, perhaps, but uh, the sort of the that's the state of Eldari at the moment is people the push is that currently lots of flyers because they're very good for their points but uh for like um orcs um are very solid at the moment though i don't think they're necessarily doing as well as people think initially thought they were going to do um i've seen people have some success with them but not actually doing fantastic with them um, and it seems like the question that i have or probably a bunch of people have at the moment is are orcs just simply um have we just not figured them out yet or is it the stuff that we have right now that's at the top is just that strong that even orcs being as good as they are maybe they're as good as we thought but maybe even that is just not enough to not so the main problem orcs run into is they aren't flexible um, so Eldari, for instance, you have Craft Worlds, Dark Eldar, Harlequins, plus Inari. That's four codexes, well, three codexes plus an index to pull options from. When all of the three the codexes in general are all very flexible. Imperium, you have over half the armies in the game are able to pull from their chaos. You have Codex, Chaos Base Marines, Thousand Suns, um, Death Guard and Chaos Demons. Yeah. So you have tons of options there as well. And so the really su- super successful armies are the ones that can soup because it shores up deficiencies. Whereas Orcs, as much as they do have a unit for everything, those units aren't, this, they all suffer from the same sort of subpar ballistic skill that requires you to roll at least somewhat decent to get the full usage out of their abilities. So Orcs are very swingy. And it makes them hard to be reliable with unless you're running clo- just pure close combat. And then even that has problems. Yeah. Well, and then um, we're also seeing the, uh, the night, the night list. Or the yeah. Still, um, know, yeah. The loyal still- 32 plus um, however many knights that they feel are appropriate. And though the loyal 32 is pretty much going to, it's still ubiquitous. Um, I like the tournament we just played this last weekend. Every, both imperial players i played had it yeah it's kind of almost like the auto take at this moment just it is if that's how you're going to play them that's that's the way to go Mm -hmm. but i i kind of think that's probably a good time to just kind of you know insert that 
the writing seems to be on the wall when you talk to everybody about what's coming in big fat that or the big fat because it's at the time of this podcast here late march we're probably only about a week or two away mm-hmm. from, you know that dropping and gw said they were going to wait for adepticon to wrap up that just wrapped up this weekend um the the thing that everybody kind of sees coming is something's going to happen with knights that kind of everybody kind of feels like something's going to happen there uh, yeah. And then the other thing seems to be people seem to be that thinking that Yanari is going to get some kind of thing done. And that probably is a little bit more confirmed than the night thing, because we've seen that there's already a white dwarf leak out that says that um, it's going to feature Yanari in it for, I think, May. Uh, so mm-hmm. now April coming up, we'll get the May release then. And that, that seems to line up and, and kind of, in a way, kind of confirm that it, it might be some changes headed Yanari's way. So, and with that, we don't know that could maybe not have a negative impact. We just don't know what the changes are going to be. Yeah. So I think they have to do something because um, the problem with Yanari is that it sort of poisons the rest of the Eldar sub faction in general um, to the point where unless you're running in Yanari, you cannot be competitive because all the other units have been tweaked so that they are expensive if you're not running Yanari, um, which yeah, is essentially the essentially the issue with Yanari is they they it's their soul burst ability. Yeah, it but, doubles the effectiveness of a unit every turn. Yeah, and if you if you think about it, it, people basically sum it up this way. I'm not originating this, but people say you you essentially have a game of six turns. Well, mm-hmm. I get six turns, but then the Inari player has like nine or 12 turns because of Soul Burst, Award of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Any game where you're going to have, you know, if I have limited actions, but then you get nine to 12 additional actions, you're clearly at an advantage there. Yes. Um, I think there's a lot of people then that would say, well, what about almost Cacophony? What about those things with, you know, some of the other armies that have those double shoot mechanics? And I would say yes and no. Like, Chaos doesn't have the ability to just psychic power that. Yeah, well, the main that's difference awesome. there is the is, is, is the cost, um, because uh, Soul Burst and Word of the Phoenix have no associated cost other than the cost of bringing in a brain. Whereas Endless Cacophony costs you two command points, which are definitely uh, even more of a finite resource now that they've tuned down the uh, CP farms. Yep. So that seems to be kind of what's on the right or kind of the. What's in the wind at the moment? We'll we'll see what happens here uh, in the next couple of weeks, and we'll probably be back to talk about this here uh, uh, at that yeah. time when it drops. Um, so just kind of moving this along, uh, one of the things that's really helpful that's out there, uh, there is a site called 40kstats.com. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, what it basically is is um, some guys that basically pull the stats from the tournaments and they, they run the – they basically just pull all the data from Best Coast pairings. And if you're not familiar with tournaments, if you go to a tournament and you go to basically play there, what you're going to need is on your mobile app or on your phone or something like that, you're going to need um, an app called Best Coast Pairings. And what it basically does is lets you uh, check into the event, um, upload a list of what you're playing, and then it automatically does the so if you think about trying to pair up and manage 100 people in a tournament um, being paired up with who needs to play each, you need some software to do that because otherwise mm-hmm. it's untenable. Um, but what 
they've moved on from doing here is from last year, we, we didn't have this, uh, but in the last probably six months or so, they've made a big push to uh, frontline gaming and the, you know, some of the guys in the community have all pushed to really start to harvest some of the data that we're getting um, because one of the great things is we've seen a really big uptick in the tournaments. Uh, we've seen all the stuff from eighth edition, just the, the, the stats and the balance of it. It's all kind of like really given the, the game a lot of energy at the moment from like where it was at the end of seventh edition. Yeah. So in any case, these guys at 40 kstatscom um, they have basically combed all of that data and pulled that into some spreadsheets. Uh, and what they let you do is you can look at 2018 data and they've also got the running tally for 2019 data. Um, so some of these uh, statistical points that I'm going to be uh, pointing out here are um, for 2019, uh, but they are as of uh, March 18th. So uh, we're a little bit, they've probably got another update coming here uh, shortly uh, to their data. So it's really just around when they actually update their, update their spreadsheets. But what we're going to key in on is if you go to their site, they have something called TWIP, or uh, uh, it's basically uh, tournaments in winning position. And it's a stat they came up with, or a guy named Val uh, Heffelfinger, I guess. Uh, <laughs> apologies if I just butchered your name, but he's, he's who's got the credit on this for coming up with this. And essentially, it's a little bit better than just looking at how an how a army or a faction wins tournaments overall. It looks at the armies that are basically 4-0. and And if, if, if you think about it, that means if you're 4-0, that essentially means at a tournament, you're in a situation where you have a chance to actually win the thing overall. And that's a really good measure of the, the armies that get to that point and then can you know, seal the deal. Uh, if, if you look at that top list, it doesn't, it doesn't give you that same kind of measure of, well, but you know, being able to go 4-0 and is a, is a very good measure of it. Uh, so that's kind of where the value is in this thing. Um, <clears throat> so breaking down where the meta sits right now. At the very bottom, we obviously right now have Grey Knights, Space Wolves, Renegades and Heretics, Corsairs, Inquisition, Dark Angels. Um, all of them have a 0% T-Whip. <laughs> It basically means they've never been in a, in a position to win a tournament. Mike, is there any surprise there? Not even remotely. <laughs> so those poor guys, they need some help. I think, I think the biggest surprises for me are probably Space Wolves and Dark Angels. I'd expect at least like one list to get there. And maybe it's just the fact that we're early in the season here. Um, you know, maybe we just haven't gotten there yet. But uh yeah, I feel bad for those guys. Even our space wolf brother, or like enemies, like mortal enemies for for life. Um, I I would want to see them at least competitive, so that when we play, it's like a competitive game. Um, you know, one of the other things you could look at in in the stats that they have is head to head stats, <laughs> and Thousand Suns have a one hundred percent win rate versus space wolves in tournament play right now. So. There's that. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing that's sort of surprising to me is looking at this thing, the Blood Angels, I'd have expected to do better. Better, So I guess they tend to be splashed in as a secondary that's faction. Right. That's right. You probably see, yeah, so they're at the, they're kind of in that next group. Um, they, they probably are just taking Smash Captains or things like that, so you're not actually running like a full Blood Angels army. And I think that, in a way, is kind of, you know, where the T-Whip kind of gets interesting because... Um, 
it, it's definitely going to be more of a measure of like where these things sit towards the end of the tournament. Mm -hmm. um, so just kind of stepping up from that 0%, like that was literally the dumpster fire category. Then you kind of take one step up and it's 1%. And at least these lists have been able to, you know, nudge themselves into a winning contention. Um, Sisters and Chaos Space Marines. So they're both sitting at 1% at the moment. Um, yeah. Interesting that Chaos Space Marines are sitting there, but Mike, you've been running them at tournaments. Is there any surprise there? No. So Space for, Chaos Space Marines, as much as people don't like, like them compared to certain other armies, actually are very, even before the new codex, um, good army in that they do have several things that work very well for them. Uh, they do have some rough matchups, but as long as you get pull decent opponents, um, you can very easily pull pull your own um, out of tournament. Um, like for instance, my army, the only thing I have to watch out for is knights. Um, nothing else phases me. Um, and I think yeah. that the main issue that they run into is that it's very hard to cover all of your bases when you're playing Chaos Space Marines. Um, so I think the new codex might actually help with that somewhat. And we'll definitely get into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, you still have the Alpha Legion lists that are out there. I mm -hmm. think there's, you know, thinking back to, you know, midsummer last year, kind of right before Knights dropped. Uh, I think it was at the Houston GT that we had um, uh, one of the guys from Dallas actually had a Chaos Space Marine list and mm -hmm. went undefeated for the event. And, um, you know, I think, I think about that list. And as far as I can remember, aside from maybe the cultists, going up in points, his list is probably still very viable. It was, you know, lots mm -hmm. of obliterators and things like that. Um, yeah, it's actually probably post, even a little better than it was previously, yeah. except for the cultist, I guess. Yeah, so post-update here, once we get through some of the new chaos stuff um, that we're going to jump into. Yeah, um, though the... You know, that might be a little different, right? Sisters one interests me. So is this um, spreadsheet only for 2019? Yes, the data that we're looking at right now on their site is only for 2019. It is the 2019 season. Um, mm -hmm. There is the ability to go and look at the archive. You can look at the 2018 season data. Mm -hmm. uh, but this tab that they have on there is uh, live for this, this year. So yeah. kind of jumping up into that next category. Um, so basically the way I kind of broke this down is you had the dumpster fire, which was like, zero percent you haven't even been in winning contention yet and i think that's a clear indicator that something is not right there with those guys um one percent still i i probably would just go ahead and lump them in with that base group of there's some things that are not right there mm -hmm. um, this next category is basically the middle and i think it's pretty much everybody who's between two and five percent t wit meaning uh, of all of the results of everybody who made it to four and oh what percentage of them were this faction? And that's that's what this basically boils down to. And so that, I mean, that's going to include things like Custodies, Space Marines, Craft Worlds, Mechanicus, Death Guard, Death Watch, Gene Stealers, Harlequins, Necrons, Renegade Knights, Pals, Tyranids, and finally Thousand Suns. And looking at the whole thing, like smack dab in the middle of it all is Thousand Suns. Uh, they're sitting right at a 3%. They're right about the same as regular Space Marines. Tau, um, and ironically, Death Watch, which, I mean, if you were to ask me my own assumption based on seeing stuff or my own biases here, Death Watch is actually probably, I would think it was in that top tier, but right now from what we're seeing, it's not quite there yet. So it could just be that that's, that's a trend that started post-LVO 
and hasn't quite kind of start to, started to show up in the match. To be completely frank, though, I actually would expect them to be in this sort of category, having played against them recently. Um, they're good. Um, and when they come down, they pack a mean punch. But the problem is everything is so expensive that it. They, I think that they can find themselves spread thin. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I think they. I'm not surprised they're in this category. They're a solid codex, but they do have their weaknesses. Fair enough. Uh, uh, most like, like pretty much everything in this category has some things needs shoring up. Yeah, but at least I think this category. I think what you could say of everybody that's in here is they at least have one, maybe two options from a competitive standpoint. Like they yes. can field, they can field a, a competitive list. Um, your list options might be small or very confined is kind of how I would look at this group. Um, and the best of all of them is Cult Mechanicus right now. And I think that's probably something where they are trending up in a big way. Uh, I think the big, uh, the chapter approved changes to them um, have started to come into effect. And especially if there's some changes with Knights, um, mm-hmm. I still think they are the ones that if, if they're going to be changes with Knights, and, the, and there's going to be a night list that survives those changes. Like if we were to say, hey, there's a big nerf coming for them, my bet would be on them to survive that with the night uh, because they have so many synergies with them. Yes. So, uh, and then obviously we've got the best of the best here. So now we're into our top bracket. It's very clear when you're looking at this that there's a whole bunch of them sitting in that middle group, um, you know, with Thousand Suns you know, dab in the middle of it. Um, but now when we start to get into that upper echelon, we, we see demon and orcs are both running at about 7%. Um, yeah. so they're both, they're both showing really well demons, obviously Jim Vessel win, winning Adepticon this weekend, um, shows that like an in infantry format rules, demons are really good. Orcs are really good. Um, they both shine there. Um, you know, not much else to say. They're, they're just, mm-hmm. they're, they're good armies. They're trending up at the moment. Um, yeah. Demons might be kind of interesting to keep an eye on because um, of stuff possibly coming and stuff possibly in Vigilus here. Um, guard is that next step up. Uh, so they're probably in your, you know, clear third place finisher at the moment. They're at 8%. Uh, Yanari's at 9%. Uh, and then the very top bracket between the two is Jukari and Imperial Knights. Um, yeah. So obviously you have the the list and you have guard and yanari and dark eldar basically so all of them i don't think there's any surprise there you go to any tournament you pretty much look at your top 10 and it's like hey look those guys are there yeah Um, so yeah so that's kind of where the meta's sitting end of march here 2019 um pre big fact one for the year um who knows what's going to change here in the in the in the update i mean we didn't think much was going to happen in the Big Fact 2 last year, and then they just decided, well, we're going to change how fly w- works with charges. And, you know, lo and behold, that changes the game big time. Uh, that has a big mm-hmm. impact. So. Um, one last thing on tournaments and meta at the moment uh, before we get to what uh, you guys are probably really interested in. Um, they are talking about, Mike, changing the way they score uh factions and tournaments and i in our uh thousand suns subreddit 
this week posted a um i basically posted a sticky that said hey look you know i tend to post some articles about here's here are how the armies are doing in tournaments um here's this list that won x tournament and you know without any doubt in my mind within you know 12 hours there's a comment on there from somebody like gee you know it's funny how this counts as a thousand suns list because he has Aramon and like three demon princes or two demon princes. And that just ends up costing more than everything else that he brought. Um, and so <laughs> the, <laughs> the interesting thing is they've, they've proposed, I think um, uh, Reese uh, talked about this on their chapter tactics podcast uh, this week and basically just talked about the fact that they've received a lot of feedback on this and it sounds like they're listening um, and they're working on coming up with a, an answer to this. And it kind of sounds like they hit a crossroad and they wanted to get feedback. So they put it up for a vote for, for you know, anybody who participates in tournaments or, you know, is in I, ITC for the most part, you could vote on this. And they basically presented a, a binary choice to everybody. And I think that's kind of where some of the contention is coming, where I'm not sure everybody's happy with the two choices, where we stay with what we have, which is basically you classify for your faction if it's the highest point total detachment in your army. So if I spent 900 points on Thousand Suns and that's the highest amount of points that I have put into a detachment in my army, it doesn't matter yeah. what the other ones are, I'm Thousand Suns, that's all that counts. But what they're proposing is, a, is an opposite of that where if you want to classify as Thousand Suns, all of your detachments must be Thousand Suns. And this would apply to pretty much any of the armies that can do suit. So armies like Orcs and Tau and stuff, they just, they don't care. Uh, but for Thousand Suns, Chaos, Space Marines, you know, on and on down the list where you can ally in, you know, different detachments, you'll still be able to do that. But you won't classify as Thousand Suns in that case. Um, you'll classify as, um, Chaos or yes. Nurgle or Zinch, whatever your whatever your shared uh, detachment is across them. Uh, mm -hmm. from, from what my understanding is, they've got a soup bucket that'll be there for you. Um, so you'll you'll have a faction trophy for that. I I assume. I don't think they've clarified that, but um, you know they hand out the the trophies for all the factions. And I think how that changes tournaments gets really interesting because. As a Thousand Suns player, I can now go to a tournament and you know what? Maybe my goal isn't to win the thing overall. Maybe I know that, hey, I'm just not interested in competing at that level with the shenanigans of like Orc Guard and Yunari and stuff like that. But if I look at this tournament and I say, you know what? I'm going to maybe try and go 4 and one here and I'm going to run a 100% Thousand Suns army and then I'm going to work on fielding that army as best as I can. That's a different thing because then I'm scoring points for Thousand Suns for the year and I'm working on winning that best faction, you know, trophy at the end of the year. That's a much different scenario now where you'll have a mix of players where some of them are trying to win the, the factions, some of them are trying to win the, uh, uh, the, the best overall. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, to be completely frank, I think it's more in fair and inclusive to do, effectively change it from what it is now. Um, because, for instance, if somebody's trying to actually get ranked well for a particular army, but then 
they see that other people are ranking at the same army, but are bringing a whole bunch of stuff that isn't really part of the army in general to not sort of, I guess, improve their performance. It can be a little disheartening to that type of player. Um, whereas this, I think, as much as it's a little more complicated to say, sort of say, like, okay, so what keyword does your entire army share to determine your faction? I, I think in the long run, it'll improve things somewhat and sort Kinda of like the, uh, give a little more legitimacy towards the rankings. Yeah, and I can I can certainly see the argument folks are making about, you know, well, you know, it's really fluffy for me to bring in Zinch Demons with them and that kind of thing. And, you know, I hope that maybe we can get to a point where they can they can come up with a solution where that can classify as Thousand Sons without then having all sorts of loopholes. And I think the nice thing about saying you have to be all or nothing is there's no loophole to it. There's no, yes. you know, there's no easy way to just kind of game it. Like, you know, today where, you know, I can just run a ton of Zinch and then Thousand Sons and or 300 points of Thousand Sons. And because there is no Zinch bucket, I count as Thousand Sons. So yeah, I kind of, I kind of side with that and understand that, hey, why don't we start from a position where there isn't a way to really, you know, game it at all. And maybe it's not perfect in our eyes, but it gets us, it get, it moves us towards a better, a better thing at the end of the day. Yeah. All right. So the horse is really dead. We've beaten it. Um, that's your meta for 2018 first quarter so far. Um, I mean, Thousand Suns sitting right in the middle there. I, Obviously, we haven't we haven't gotten much love since our codex and all our new units. Um, you know, I think thousand thousand suns players as a community are kind of, you know, like sitting at the well in the middle of the desert, saying, "GW, give us some water, give us give us some help, give us something." So, <laughs> so many obvious things we've been talking about. So, anyways, maybe we get some of that in this chaos release. So, why don't we uh, why don't we start to dig into this? Yeah. So, first thing first, um, they released this in a little bit different from how they've done it in the past. We got the Vigilist uh, Ablaze uh, book, and we got the Codex book. Um, yes. One of the things I noticed, Mike, um, is GW put a nice post up that basically explained if you own the Codex. The, the previous edition of the Codex. And you're just looking for the new stuff. Uh, they say you can get the, you, you basically just need to get the Vigilus Ablaze supplement. Um, however, what, I, I could be just missing something, but it seems like if I do that, uh, there are some updates to like the um, the renegades and there's some war stuff and they've even posted if if I saw correctly in the beginning of the codex um, they posted some of the new there's new paint schemes there's new like sub factions like they really expanded the renegade factions they did a lot in there and I, I again I could just be completely you know being an idiot here and I just missed it in the you know the ablaze supplement but I don't think it's in there yeah, so effectively, if you want to get the most out of the new releases, um, so Chaos Space Marines Mark II, so the new codex, has the rules for the new obliterators, which are not post in the new Vigilus of Blaze book because it's not a new unit. Um, 
And then if you want the Renegades rules, you have to have Vigilus Ablaze. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other thing that I, that I caught was that the detachments, you get specialist detachments, those don't exist in the new Codex either. Correct, because those are considered to be um, uh, campaign detachments. So it's just like um, Vigilus Defiant. Um, where they almost so actually all the good guy armies, um, and the other uh, opponents in Defiant got stuff in there. So a blaze is all chaos all the time, which is cool because chaos gets stuff. Um, but um, a, a sort of you can get by with one or the other. But if you really want to sort of maximize what your chaos army can do, you kind of do need both, which is unfortunate. Yeah. That was kind of the same conclusion I came to, um, just because in most the the even though the, they're campaign supplements that are there, the rules are generic for pretty much all of 40k. Which means if you go to, even in your pickup fluffy games, that people can use those detachments and they can you know you can use the rules from them. So yeah, you know if, if it's there and it's a rule you can use, you might as well seek it out and have it. Um, so uh, I guess a. Uh... Highlights from the Codex, I guess. So I, I picked mine up last night after the tournament, and uh, I was supposed to go to bed and you know get a good night's sleep. However, you know, once you start looking through something, you don't stop. And so I kind of binged on the original Codex, the new Codex, and both Vigilus books because I hate myself. Um, and it picked out some interesting things. One, um, not trying to spoil it, but two, uh, Abaddon and Calgar get into a fight. It's hilarious because Calgar tried to effectively pull a Horus on Abaddon, and Abaddon just decided that, well, I know how this fight turns out originally, so obviously this is just going to be a recap. And uh, it goes about as well for Marnius Calgar as it went for Horus, <laughs> um, which was funny to we, me. We're, we might have to put a big spoiler alert or something in there for folks. It's, it's a little late now. We've, we've well, that one off, but yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I thought it was funny. But, I did um, look in the um, in the Chaos Codex. I was really interested. Um, I like how GW prints the timelines in there. I yeah. love reading those timelines. Um, and it doesn't look like they've advanced the overall timeline in the Chaos Codex any further than where we were. No, like, other than the event. So Vigilus, cover, the book covers sort of what's going on on Vigilus. It's sort of the main right. sort of point of conflict in the setting. Effectively, Every army has a stake in Vigilus at the moment, even the ones you would you wouldn't expect to, uh, like uh, Dark Eldar fighting Thousand Suns on one of the continents, and uh, that ends rather funnily, in my opinion. It's just a family reunion. Yep. But uh, the other thing, though, is some rule stuff from the new Codex. One something I think will probably wind up affecting Thousand Suns in the a new big FAQ is. Uh, they included a um, new rule called Mirror Mortals, uh, where Chaos Cultists do not gain Legion traits. And so it sounds like if they're taking away those Legion traits, meaning if it's an Alpha Legion Cultist, it still counts as Alpha Legion Cultist, but they no longer get the minus one to hit. Correct. Um, which is a huge change. Uh, 
over yeah. how the codices uh, the uh, lists were written previously. Well, I like think about be, the fact that I mean you don't have minus one to hit cultists anymore. That's huge. Yeah, with the with the fact that cultists already got nerfed with the points increase, this new nerf, um, I think we'll be seeing much different chaos base marine list writing um, think, in the coming months. Do you think they're going to cheat uh, lower the reduction or lower the point cost on cultists? With this, maybe. Uh, to be frank, I would not bet on that um, at this juncture. Um, I think Games Workshop would much rather sort of wait and see as opposed to make two changes at the same time. Um, they tend to have a fairly, fairly cautious approach towards change I, and stuff like that. You know, that. see, I, I kind of – this is where I kind of disagree. I, I think they – I think they recognized last year that cultists were too good. And I think if you were to look at what people were doing with cultists – the I think in your average game you're not going to see it, but in mm-hmm. your in your big high end tournament lists um, being run by very very good players, I think um, you would obviously see how freaking crazy some some of those chaos lists could be with yeah. tons of cultists and a baden. Um, that's just one, uh, and so I think GW saw that, and they if you if you remember it was like. August or September, that was where they had to kind of meet the printing deadline for chapter approved, which meant the rules were pretty much like the point changes were done. And yeah. I think what they did was they basically said, look, for now, we're going to put a point increase in to take the edge off the cultist issue. And that's going to hold them over until we, you know, we go in and we address this. And then what they did is they went back, they addressed it. They've now taken the Legion trade away. So to me, I kind of look at this and say, you know what? They're going to pull that point cost back down. They're going to go back to 40, uh, four points a model. Um, and then we got to start talking about guard because yeah. why are they still four points a model? That is a good question. That, I mean, um, arguably, you could do way more with them, right? Yes, effectively, because they effectively they still get Legion traits, plus they get orders and a whole bunch of other just, well, really good stuff. Um, there's a reason why they rank so well. Um, cause even on their own guard are just an absolute nightmare to face. Um, yeah, if you, if you ask, I mean, if you even look at all the analysis of the, of how LVO played out, Brandon Grant's list, like it's not, it's not just the, the list with the night. It's the fact that in most, if you look at most of those lists that were running the, you know, the guard brigade with the night. The guard or what were winning that those games. It was not mm-hmm. the knight itself. The knight was just kind of your distraction card effects, basically. Yeah, effectively the current guard meta very much seems to be bring some sort of large, super heavy thing to just attract attention. And then the guard actually do the heavy lifting. Um which that's a pretty good strategy to be frank. Um, especially if you have the survivability to back it up. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, um, though, I guess my counterpoint to the Goldust thing is that I think that they were going to change the points cost, they would have done it in the Codex itself. So, good good point on that. However, we know that there's already issues. So, as of the printing yeah. of, the, of the Codex, we know that the obliterator point costs in there are incorrect. I was actually wondering about that, because yeah. uh, that was my second point, was that obliterator's got this huge buff, and the Codex printing has them at the sold 65. Yeah, no, they they actually are one fifteen a unit, um, which in my opinion that's probably a good thing to talk about. I think they're just too expensive at that cost. Um, 
I think, uh, maybe. I think they should be probably down around like one ten, in my opinion. One 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 oh five maybe. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason the reason being, I should reasonably if I if I look at the amount of efficiency I was getting from a three unit uh, obliterator group, and I scale that up if I just look at wounds um, and shots. And I scale that up. I should still see a slight increase over that. I should not see a linear increase in the points because they obviously made them T5, gave them close combat weapons, gave them more wounds. Um, well, actually, sorry. Let me let me restate that. The the point of looking at per wound and per shot points as something increases is I can tell whether they're nerfing something in, in addition to changing the, um, the stats on it. So if you basically kept the wounds the same and the shots the same, and all you did was just you know consolidate the wounds per model and scale them up, I would expect that their point cost would remain exactly the same. They would still be, uh, you know, for a, for a unit of three or the equivalent of what a unit of three would be, um, if that's just two models now, I would still expect that um, if it was 65, that's what, 100 and for two of them or whatever is 130 or whatever, or 195, yeah, so, so. 195 points, I get two models versus one model. Now, when you add the, the increased combat, close combat weapon they get and their toughness, okay, great. You can, and the extra wound. Convince me. And the extra wound, sure. Well, the extra wound is, I don't think the way I'm looking at it is the extra wound doesn't matter because the, they, the it's wounds per unit or, or for the whole unit itself. So if all I did was consolidate the same in the, in the previous, you had three models with three wounds a piece. That's uh, what? 12 wounds, right? Or nine wounds. Sorry. Nine wounds. Yeah. So if that's nine wounds and now I've consolidated that to two models, I should have nine wounds between two. Well, I can't, have nine wounds between two models, right? Um, so that's where I look at it and I say, well, if you consolidate it to two to two models, it should scale up the same way. So point point per wound is essentially what I'm trying to, I'm probably being very long-winded here, but point per wound, uh, it should be the same if you take out of the equation the shots uh, the or the shot changes or the, the close combat, the, the toughness, that kind of stuff. Because essentially it's, you're getting the same, it, it's the same output and it's the same durability. So I actually consider their change to them be, to be more of a side grade than a um, nerf to them. So you are losing effective wounds, but your higher toughness can compensate for that. You get two more shots than you did before, plus you're actually good in close combat. Um, and the other thing is the ability to take a single obliterator in a unit gives you more flexibility um, in your list writing. Now, granted, it will generally be more efficient to take a unit of three. That way you can stack all your buffs and stratagems on the one on the three of them. But um, with obliterators before, it you had to buy three. And so it was always the exact same 195 points, whereas this is a little more scalable. 
So I do think that the, how you include them will have to be changed. However, the other the, the changes to the codex with the fact that there are much more or many more buffs available for them, I think actually makes obliterators actually a little more potent than they were previously. That's definitely fair. Um, I think the way I look at obliterators with the changes that they made, their issue really, when you look at it, is they have a five-up involved. The T5 mm -hmm. helps, without a doubt. But I think that's really marginal. When you consolidate the wounds from three models to two, it essentially it makes it much easier to take... It, it, in essence, it takes fewer strong shots to kill them mm -hmm. than it would be if I had, say, let's say we kept them at three wounds, but we scaled it out a little bit more and I had more models. Yeah. I mean, I won't disagree that this change makes them a little more vulnerable to high strength, good AP fire than before, but alternatively it makes them more durable versus small arms fire. Um, the other thing you can do now, though, is uh, you can give obliterators a three-up invuln save. Yes, you um, can. Which, minus one to hit with a three-up invuln save and double-tapping obliterators is just gross. Um, now, granted, no. you are having to dump two characters and a strategy into doing that. Actually, no, just making yeah, it so help, that. So, so, so help the folks that don't know. Yeah, so... Um, so they added a new character to the Codex, as I'm sure all of you are aware. It's the Master of Possession, which he has a power called Cursed Earth, which is a power that was from the previous uh, Malefic uh, Discipline from 7th Edition that uh, has a charge value of 7. And any Legion Demon unit within... Uh, yeah, all, any demon unit within six inches of the Psyker gets plus one to their save to a maximum of three plus. And then you combine that with Weaver of Fates from the Dark Hereticus Discipline off of the Sorcerer, get an additional plus one, giving you a five a three-up invuln save. And then if you're Alpha Legion, you get additional, you get the minus one to hit, um, making you oh, very, yeah. very durable. Oh, yeah. Now, I mean... The, the Master Possession, I actually had the, I, well, turns out both of us had the, the luxury of uh, playing that this past week. Yeah. Actually playing against the new Possessed. So one of the things I noticed about them is one of the downsides to the Master Possession, he's very squishy. He um, is. Um, he's no more durable than a normal sorcerer is. Yeah, and they don't have that nice five-up invuln like our Thousand Sun Sorcerers have. So, Correct. you know, they're very... They're very susceptible to, and, and this is definitely playing into where the meta seems to be going. Uh, if you look at Gene Stealer cults, um, the assassin changes, they seem to be mm -hmm. throwing a lot of stuff into the game right now to deal with characters. Um, so the, the threat level on very squishy characters hiding behind the character rule uh, is definitely waning at the moment. Um, so mm -hmm. like even, even Aramon for that instance, um, in the Jim Vessel Adepticon matchup um, in his uh, in his final match. Uh, from what I understand, one of the things was his his um, uh, his Aramon was assassinated by the Gene Stealer, the the guy with the, the the pistols or whatever. I forget his I forget the forget the unit's name, but 
It's the guy that can come down and he just basically obliterates whatever he wants. Um, yeah. I'm shooting him. Um, and so they're adding stuff like that to the game. So I look at like the master possession right now and I, I kind of see that as a vulnerability to him where he can be sniped out or picked out pretty easy right now with, with just four wounds um, and just your, you know, your normal power armor save. Yeah, though, honestly, that mostly comes down to uh, observing good line of sight. Um, I played against a Vindicator, uh, a Vindicare uh, this weekend, and as long as you're cognizant of what they can see, and you're pretty safe there. Also, vehicles are very useful versus Vindicares, as long as your guys are short enough to hide behind them. So uh, no fancy stabs or wings. Nope, you want to crouch down, make yourself as small as possible, and model for advantage. <laughs> uh, don't do that, kids. It'll make your opponent very mad. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so greater possessed are probably the the next thing, the le- next logical thing to start talking about here because they're they kind of accompany the, the master possession, right? Um, the yeah. Um, they're sort of. I actually don't like them, to be frank. I agree. I agree. Uh, they're they're like they're cool in theory. They're awesome, but plus one strength on my demon units from my legion. Why do I care about this? Um, generally speaking, demon units are already wounded on threes or twos, anyways. So plus one strength isn't going to help that much. Uh, I feel like it was a way for them to say, hey, kids, do you want plus one strength but not demons? Well? Yeah. Uh, the thing, though, is you could just summon uh, yeah. the appropriate type of demon and you'd get it anyways without having to go through this whole big thing. And he's, like, uh, if I, I mean, take, if, if I take Zinch Possessed, I'm just picking this out of my hat, but Zinch Possessed and I bring a Herald of Zinch. Don't I get plus one strength? I believe you do. Yeah, I mean, like I've accomplished, I've accomplished the same thing, and I can excite get power out of the dude. Yeah, I mean, they're big, they they're mean, but they just, I just don't think that they're worth bringing. Um, yep, which is unfortunate, but uh, oh well. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel about it too. They um, they're just kind of really lacking. However. If we're talking about lacking units, I think a lot of people are kind of assuming that the master of executions, who's the next the next <laughs> guy up here, is really lacking. And you know what? I've been looking at this guy, and I think a lot of people are sleeping on him. And I've got a couple points on him. One, he's super cheap. He's 70 points. Mm-hmm. Two, he hits pretty dang good. He's, he's got a power fist that yeah, doesn't basically. take a minus one to hit. And does mortal wounds. I mean, that's pretty dang awesome. And the fact that his heroic intervention rule, I think, is a lot better than people give it credit for. Yeah. The the ability to heroically intervene six inches like that is amazing. Yeah, I actually like the Master of Executions. With five attacks, with a power fist, effectively, um, that has a chance to do mortal wounds and having character threat, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, he's agree. not a force multiplier like a sorcerer or the exalted champion or the dark apostle. But if you just want to sort of, I guess, a classy beat stick, a master of executions is going to do way better than the chaos sword. 
the way I look at this guy is it's GW saying, hey, Chaos, do you want an assassin? Here you go. He's nice and cheap. He basically goes after characters. I think the one problem with this with Thousand Suns, though, I think you'll, I think you'll see him used. I don't think you're going to see him used a lot because I think a lot of people just aren't going to. I'm, I'm noticing that the nuances of the fight phase, consolidating, piling in, um, the all the little nuances of that, a, a plus you know heroic intervention. Mm-hmm. I think those are things that a lot of people just kind of like sleep on early on in their you know when they're playing this game because it's like I'm more focused on shooting I'm more focused on you know just staying out of combat and just you know can I outshoot my opponent it's a lot easier to do that I don't have yeah. to, you know worry about positioning or any of that stuff but I think the game rewards someone who can be aware of that kind of rule because there's all sorts of little shenanigans you can do with it like what I'm thinking is if I'm six inches away from a enemy character, I can heroically intervene into it. But mm-hmm. I can also heroically intervene, or I can heroically intervene six inches. But if I play it right, if there's a more valuable target that's right next to that character, I can then uh, use my pile in for three inches. Uh, to then get within one of that more valuable target and then go after it. Yeah. So it's little things like that that I I think are overlooked, and so they look at a guy like this and they say, oh, you know what? I just don't think he's going to do very much. I think he actually has a really good place in the law of armies. Mm-hmm. But with Thousand Sons, I think what I was getting to was I don't think it applies to them because we already have Zengors, and Zengors have the character hunter rule. We just basically throw tons of Zangors at characters and, you know, good luck, you know. Yeah. Veterans a long war on them, you know. If you survive, great. I think you, I think you got me beat there. So. Mm-hmm. So, again, that's the next character that's new. It's actually something I'm kind of excited about. Oh, the yeah? Lord of Discordant on Hellstalker. Oh, he fits into your list really good, too. He- does he's this beautiful ugly thing with a giant chain glaive and a big mechanical mecha spider scorpion thing <laughs> um but yeah i actually really like this guy so he's got a ton of weapons um because he's warp smith and they never leave home without their golf bag full of just killing implements awesome stuff. um see he's got just to read off the list an auto cannon a bolt pistol which uh, believe no cannot be replaced um an impaler chain glaive it's good they gave him the actual auto cannon by the way yeah happy reaper auto cannon amen to that can we start a a petition to like improve the poor reaper auto cannon like that thing is such garbage it is um we got mecha tendrils to both types of grenades and then his hellstalker has its you know bladed limbs and tail and a techno virus injector which i don't know if you've seen the stats on that but so normally it's a strength eight ap minus four damage d3 weapon but against vehicles it does an additional d3 mortal wounds which uh that's a lot of damage pretty good it's a little niche it is but, it's going to be tough to really make that work. I think the ultimate problem with them is he's targetable. Yeah. 
I mean, no. that's all the, the big fancy characters are targetable. But he's got a two-up safe. He has a five-up invuln safe. He regenerates. He buffs vehicles. And he heals demon engines. I, I don't think he's going to see a ton of play. However, I do very much like him. I just on a personal level. Yeah, on your list, I think it works because I think people are going to look at like your your defiler and your you know your other stuff and go, you know what, that's maybe a little more important at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, where if they're shooting your Lord Discordant, like your list, I'll, I'll give it credit. the The Lord Discordant is not such a huge force multiplier that other people are going to look at that and go, I have to eliminate it right away. Oh, uh, here's the other thing that's very important about him. He adds one to hit for your demon engines. Yes, so now we've got that three-plus ballistic skill that we wanted, right? Yes, finally, at long last, my Defiler hits like a space marine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I guess, I I mean, still, at the end of the day, you have to be in range of that, which is where, you know, if I'm facing that, I'm looking at that, I'm going, you know what, I can can probably survive turn one or two, not Mm -hmm. thinking about it right away. Um, And you know, if I kill him, it's not like your list just completely shuts down. Like the rest of it can still function. Um, even yeah. if I've got a couple Forge Fiends, for instance, I could have. I mean, that's kind of the cool thing is I could have a couple Forge Fiends back there hitting on threes, rerolling ones. Mm-hmm. You're basically, you're basically up to what everybody says they should be at to begin with. Yeah. I guess my only, my only look at the Lord, uh, Lord Discordant here is that I feel like. He ought to be very close to like what calls uh, Belsarius calls regeneration should be, which is like D three, if I remember right. Um, I could be just completely. So here's the I thing: feel like he should regenerate. Like okay, I have a thing for you. So he regenerates automatically one wound. Then he can heal himself for a D three. Oh, in his spirit right. thief, because he is himself a demon engine. Okay, all right. So he can do that. So he's yeah. actually, if I'm hearing you right, it's even better than calls. It's yes. One plus D three. Mm-hmm. And you can give him a zero up save with a tree because he is a, uh, a demon with Nurgle, yeah. with a three up in well, with a two four up in bone save off of, uh, cursed ground. You again, you get tons of options for him. Yeah. Um, so I, I do. I'm gonna have to experiment with this guy to see how I like him. Unfortunately, if you're running him with like a Thousand Suns, you're not gonna get much. You're not gonna get much of a synergy from him because he's no. able to like buff your demon engines, right? Afraid not. Um, really, for Thousand Suns, a lot of the new units aren't. <clears throat> you're gonna see a ton of them. Uh, I don't think mostly because they just they don't synergize extremely well. Um, I mean, especially like the uh, red headed stepchild of the new releases, the Venom Crawler. It's like everyone, like, it looks so cool. And then look at the stats, it's like, it's so bad. <laughs> like, I-, I love the way this thing looks. And even I don't think I want to take it. Yeah. Uh, it's just... Yeah, well, it would be a great addition to your army. I mean, it would fit. It, it would. And I'll probably pick one up at some point. But uh, it's so bad. Well, there's a couple things. So, the other the other HQ choices in in Chaos basically, um, Abaddon got a new model, but his rules pretty much stayed the same. Um, uh, there were a couple of changes, I think. I think his tough uh, strength something went up. 
Uh, he got an extra wound, I think. Okay, but he's still under ten. So yeah, he's still under ten. They just put him on uh, Calgar's, uh, not Calgar's, um, Gilliman's level. I'll tell you what I was disappointed about. I think there's a there's a small problem in the rules design here, and it has to do with Huron. I personally think Huron is way underrepresented right now for his model. He's yeah. He's he's or if you read about him in the books and where he sits right now, he's got basically the second biggest chaos space marine force in the galaxy right now. Yes. If you think roughly, yeah, he's got the second biggest force here. And I look at him like he's kind of like the second to Abaddon. Like he's the second biggest chaos space marine to Abaddon, basically. That's mm-hmm. non demon primarch. Why does he only reroll once? Why why not make him a little bit more serious? Give him a reroll all failures. Give him a couple more wounds, um, and just like boom. I mean, you've got he's half a psyker already, or he is a psyker already. Um, but he should reroll all failed hits. In fact, the Forge World uh, loyalist version of him left Huron does re-roll all failed hits yeah so did he just forget how to do that in <laughs> chaos like dude I, I don't know uh, i think the only reason why they so like chaos lords should be the equivalent of a chapter master but they're not um and i think that they're sort of reticent to give anyone that isn't like abaddon the full re-rolls because they're worried that it would make the those characters too good I think they should. I think much like uh, loyalists, there should be a stratagem you can use to upgrade your chaos lord to like an exalted chaos lord or something, so that you can have the full chapter master effect. Yeah, I feel like that would be a lot better. Yeah, definitely a lot better. However, if we're talking about things that loyalists have uh, that chaos gets now, uh, did you catch the entry in the melee weapon list? I did, and I had to laugh about it because <laughs> now that Black Legion gets it, now everyone else is allowed to get it too. <laughs> I'm sure that there was a memo that Abaddon sent out. Is the Thunderhammer? Yes, sir. Uh, apparently, we unforgot how to use Thunderhammers, more or less. Uh, and if you're not familiar, Thunderhammers are basically power fists that don't suck. Uh, you don't have to roll. Yep. So mm-hmm. um, they are going to be 21 points on your characters and 16 points on other models. Although I was looking at other models. I, I don't know what else can take something from the melee list. Um, I was looking at like chosen and um, I was looking at like champ. So for instance, like your corn berserkers, I was, I was looking at it thinking, Oh wow. I can put a thunder hammer on my champion. And eh, that's so okay. No, uh, I think it's just characters. Um, so no, uh, they have, chaos. look in the rules, if you look in the points, they have two entries. Uh, they have one for 21 points for characters and 16 for other models, which I don't, I guess that's the thing. Is there no other model that can take one? Uh, I mean, I, I, I assume if they put that in, there's got to be something that can take them. It, it might be Terminators, actually. Let's just Terminators. Terminators. So, Terminators. Terminator melee weapon list is what they're like. No, because you want to. Because uh, there we go. The chosen. 
Chosen can take melee weapons. Oh, so oh wow, that's incredible. So now I can load out all my chosen with thunder hammers. If you really wanted to just bring down the thunder, you could do that. <laughs> that's pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> that's pretty dang awesome. I don't know when I would do that, but that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's actually pretty hilarious. Um, <laughs> oh, um, Fallen can take Thunder Hammers. Because they're effectively chosen. Yeah. And I think that's about it. And and Cypher rerolls ones, right? Uh, Cypher's weird. Does he not reroll? I don't remember. I believe he does. Where is Sirius? Cypher. Reroll once for Fallen. Oh, that's garbage. Yeah. Problem is with your Chosen, like, the nice thing about the Thunderhammer is your... Is the Thunderhammer minus one, uh, minus one hit? Uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the thing. Um, I guess if you ran them as, like, Emperor's Children Chosen that would work a lot better because then you could at least explode your sixes. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of the, that's kind of the downside there. Oh, well, well moving on, saving the best for last in uh, HQ units, the dark apostle. Like, yes. Got a huge uh, buff. He went from like loser to winner overnight. Yeah. So um, he gets he gets this thing. They get this thing like prayers, uh, and prayers are basically what I think is awesome about them is they start at the battle round, which means it doesn't matter whether you're going first or second. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's huge, and they're not. There's nothing the opponent can do about it. So it's not like you know um, Eldar or GSC or sorry, you know, or Dark Eldar or uh, Gene Stealer can vect effectively vect my uh, uh, my prayer. They can basically get minus one to hit on something if I really needed to. Now, sadly, Thousand Suns, again, are not going to benefit by this because we can't take Dark Apostles, can we? Yeah, unfortunately. So, looking at those, I think the things that I think we're going to see there are going to be the, um, uh, the minus one to hit. There's one that lets you give minus one to hit to something. Um, you can, you can also get a five plus invuln aura from it, which could be useful. And I think that might show up. Like if I had some vehicles that don't have them yeah. or, you know, th- there's a bunch of situations where you might be able to throw a five plus invuln on something. Yeah. Though it is a model by model basis. It's not units. So it's something to keep in mind. Uh, is the five plus invuln? I thought that was an aura that I, it is. So it's on? friendly models within six. So if you have guys that aren't within six, they won't get the invuln save. Right, right. And then you got a plus one to hit uh, aura as well for range weapons, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty huge. And uh, you also have a plus one to wound for melee weapons. Um, for melee also, weapons, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I think I think the ones you're probably going to see the most are those three: the the minus one to hit, the five plus aura, and then the um, or the five plus invuln, the plus one to hit for range stuff. I think the melee stuff is um, it's going to be a little less used because there's not I mean, unless you're running like berserkers or something like that yeah um the other thing that's uh, cool though is if you mark your dark apostle in addition to the normal two prayers they get they get a third prayer 
um, that is a self buff. So corn gets plus two strength. Uh, Zinch heals the D three wounds. Uh, Nurgle adds two to toughness, and Slanesh lets you advance and charge. Now you just get you only get one prayer per apostle per turn. Right? Correct. So even though you have those, it's just kind of like a bonus for giving it a chaos mark, right? Yeah. But. The, the only other thing I think in there on the Dark Apostle worth mentioning is the fact that you've got the Dark uh, dark Disciples, which is yes. a 10-point uh, point unit of two Dark uh, Disciples you bring with it, and you have them there, you get your prayer on a 3-up rather than a 2-up. Yeah, 2-up. Um, and the other thing that's important about them, though, is that they, as long as you keep them within 2 inches of a Dark Apostle, they cannot be targeted. Um, effectively, it gives them the character rule. Yeah, yeah, that's really fantastic. Yeah. But for 10 points, I mean, that's like automatic, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. Um, otherwise, they're effectively guard that don't have guns. So uh, they're just an upgrade for the Dark Apostle. I'm kind of amused that they made him made them a separate unit. I guess it's so you can throw them in the way if you need to protect your Dark Apostle. Because... Yeah. <laughs> Even though they have their followers rule, they aren't actually characters, so they can block uh, targeting. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I guess I, uh, I guess I missed that that part of the targeting part. But... Yeah. Um, moving on. Uh, let's get something here. <laughs> Unfortunately, we've been looking at a lot of these things, and there isn't a lot that does a, that applies to Thousand Suns. Let's get something that I think is going to eventually apply to Thousand Suns. If you look at the Rubric Marine chart that's in there, it used to be that non-Thousand Suns Rubric Marines could take a Soul Reaper cannon in a unit of five. They can no longer do that. About the damn time. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I hope that it's a precursor to say that Thousand Suns will be able to take a thousand uh, a Soul Reaper cannon in a unit five because I would I would think that that's much more available to Thousand Suns. So, yeah, just a little a little glimmer of hope there that we see in the Codex so far. Um, yeah, Mike, your mutilators I think are unchanged. Yep, uh, completely unchanged, other than the uh, inclusion of a whole bunch of things that buff them now. And just a random question, like, did they mutilate? Is there a kit in the obliterators or a, or an upgrade option in the obliterators for mutilators? No. Um, effectively, uh, they're two separate kits. Um, and so currently, if you want to add mutilators to your army, you have to buy either the fine cast ones or convert your own. Okay, good to know. So. Um, um, of course, everyone's excited about the new uh, Reaper Chain Cannon that just oh, came yes. out. Uh, it's one of the new and improved Super Havocs. Evidently, they uh, decided that if Dark Reapers can do it, they can do it too. And so they can now move and shoot, which is cool. And yep. they got I think you're going to see a ton of them. Although it is quite comical right now, the currency for chain cannons um i think the day they announced that the chain cannons went out of stock on forge world or the rotor cannons which essentially uh -huh. 
it's the little upgrade screw you can get from Forge World. Yep, which is really funny to me because I'm uh, actually participating in a 30k league at the moment, and they're all going to be just absolutely livid. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't find any chain cannons. What the hell? <laughs> yep. So those, um, I, I've already seen people talking about taking two squads of five Havocs in a, in a drill and just like deep striking where you need and pop out and shoot whatever you want and bring something along to give them a reroll. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the combos there are endless and the efficiency you're going to get out of those guys is going to be um, quite solid. Um, yep. I mean, the, I don't know what else there is to say. They're just... They're, they're really, really dang good, and you're gonna. Yep. I mean, so, that, uh, that's all you need. And uh, I guess the last new thing that came out, the next thing that is very interesting for Thousand Suns, I think, is the Noctolith Crown. Yes. It's a, the first chaos specific fortification, and it has a bunch of actually really cool effects. Um, the first one is, of course, that. Uh, non-chaos psychers who cast powers than 24 inches perils on any roll of doubles. Which uh, turns it from a 1 in uh, like 1 in 18% chance to a 1 in 6% chance. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's fun for a little aerial denial. Uh, chaos units, so including itself, because it is a chaos unit, have a 5 of invuln safe within 6 inches of it. Uh, they can re-roll psychic tests, and then um, at the second and third battle rounds, the range of this is increased by three inches, um, and then twelve inches. No, by three inches per turn. So nine. it turns in from yeah. from nine to six, nine, twelve. Yeah. Um, and so, I think the problem with this is going to be the fact that you have to bring it in as attachment. It's not as it's yeah. not as durable or not as flexible as the trees. Yeah. Some of them. I think that's kind of what's missing here. It's going to be really I I guess yeah, it's going to be really tough because if you're running mono faction mm-hmm. like the you know, that's where my head's at. If I'm running mono faction with Thousand Suns, that kind of rules that out as an option. Um, yeah. If I'm running soup. Yeah, that kind of, that gets real tough because you've already I mean, you've you've got to give up a detachment, and that's a really, really vital thing. Yeah. Still an interesting option, though, if you have the extra detachment available. Um, And I don't think it's too expensive, either. No, 100 points, and you're getting plus one to cast. I mean, if they wanted to shoot that, I guess you're you're buying some some extra wounds out there, some some wounds that can just kind of shield shield your other units for 100 points. Um, Yeah. Might be better things to do that with, but... I mean, throw it on an objective and just let it do its thing. Um, let's see. Corn got some new stuff. But, yeah, uh, so we... they're all corny, and so who really cares, right? <laughs> they got the um, they got the altar, right? The yeah. What is it? The skull altar. That. Yep, the skull altar. I will admit, I did not actually read this thing. Well, so it's pretty cool because. I think the really cool thing, the, the cool mechanic on this is they made it, they designed it so there was no, they put like a, an arch on the top of it, which meant you can't put a unit that's really big and tall on top of it, like your blood mm-hmm. or, or your demon prince. Uh, so they made it only so that like a unit like Skulltaker or a Herald or something that's like an infantry unit could go up there. 
But the way they wrote the rule on it is really cool. Uh, what they basically said is, like, if a corn demon infantry character's base is on a skull altar's platform, um, basically the level at the top of the stairs. Like, they had to be so pedantically specific about where they <laughs> go. Like, if you go and strike a pose at the top of the altar, <laughs> it is said to be occupied by that character. And it yeah. is that character's involved by one to a maximum of a three-up involved. So, I guess that's kind of cool, but most most of the characters that are going to go in there are not targetable. So it's it's really kind of freaking moot. Like I just don't I don't get it. But other than that, I mean, it's got some other stuff that's kind of useful. Like you know, you subtract one from psychic tests. Uh, but again, I mean, there's no demonic ritual on this thing, so there's uh... no to summon it right. Huh. Other than taking so, that's actually a weird question. So, its own rules say that if it's summoned using demonic ritual, and it's set up within base to base, base with a corn demon infantry character. Oh, I gotcha! I gotcha! I gotcha! So, but it doesn't have the yeah. No wait, it doesn't have the demonic ritual rule, does it? Yeah. How could it be summoned with demonic ritual? I think much like the uh, Chaos Codex, that might be uh, a misprint. A misprint. Okay. But so it seems to me that the way this thing is supposed to be used is you summon it using demonic ritual with one of your heralds. Then the herald hops on the altar and throws right. up the witch bane thing. And then every corn unit within 16 inches adds one to their attacks characteristic. All right, that part is really nice. That's a big aura. 16 inches, like, you can make that work, right? Yeah, definitely. And so... The Nurgle tree, basically, at that point. Yeah. And you can't remove the altar itself because it's a terrain feature. Exactly. Although, Um, that also means you can't hold an objective with it, but who cares? Yeah. It's actually a pretty nifty uh, terrain piece. Um, all things considered, uh, it's for 100 points. It's a, it's actually very good uh, inclusion. It mostly, it, well, once if, as long as they clarify the demonic ritual thing, um, that'd be fantastic. This Otherwise, kind of the, the part that I hope that maybe the um, the chaos gate is a misprint as well, but I I tend to think it isn't based on the fact that it can be taken as a fortification. Yeah. So, um, other than that, well, there are some uh, there are some things they expanded in the Vigilus book on the Renegade Legions, and yes. one of the things that we didn't mention that I noticed was the fact that well, I, I'm a lot of people noticed this: Emperor's children and world eaters are not present anymore. And I've got to think that if I'm looking at that, they've got a little blurb for them in the very beginning when they're talking about the legions and mm-hmm. who they are and they've still got, you know, like you pick up the codex, they've still got the rules in there for them. But I got to think that with the expansion on the renegades, there's probably a good chance that that's setting up for an Emperor's Children release, kind of like Thousand Sons. Yeah. And a World Leaders release similar to Thousand Sons. Mm-hmm. Do you kind of see the same thing happening? I do um, at this point um, because of 
So, for instance, in the lore, um, it, Fulgrim is moving independently of Abaddon, uh, much like uh, Magnus and Mortarion are. Um, Angron doesn't follow anybody's orders in the, at any point in time anyway, so who cares what Abaddon thinks. Um, and so I think, especially with, considering the fact that Marines ha- are still have like five codexes, splitting the specialist legions out and giving them sort of their own thing uh, is much healthier for the faction at this point. Yeah, so basically your your Chaos Space Marine Codex becomes your Black Legion Codex. Yeah. Everything else is its own, like, Emperor's Children Codex, World Eaters Codex, Thousand Sons Death Guard. Yeah, it's just like all the, so like the Space Marines Codex is Codex Compliant Chapters. Right. Um, I think the Chaos, the, the Chaos Space Marine Codex is very much Black Legion centric. Um, it's and so they, they left the options in there for the time being for like generic renegades and the other uh, like Alpha Legion and mm-hmm. World Eaters and all that. But I think World Eaters and Imperial Children, Imperial Children could be pulled out very nicely and um, made their own thing. And they've been hinting at that with like the new Noise Marine they released last year. So yeah, maybe that's what's coming. But uh, something I think we'll, we'll see though on the co- topic of renegades is something that directly affects Thousand Sons, not pure Thousand Sons lists, but people who are wanting to sort of take advantage of Chaos Soup is the Red Corsair Battalion with three squads of Chaos Space Marines is extremely efficient at giving you command points. Yeah. Um, in addition to being a very aggressive because it can advance and charge. Um, which, to be frank, th- this is the godsend for my army because it uh, gives me six additional command points just for showing up. Yeah. Uh, too good not yeah, to take. I, I think if we did the math right, you could essentially from one battalion with Huron Blackheart as your warlord, you could get to 12 command points. Is that right? Uh, so yeah, you get five for the battalion, three base, so it's eight, three more. So eleven and Huron adds two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah thir- one. Oh yeah, so yeah, it's twelve. Warlord. So that just there, you get to twelve command points off one battalion. Yep, and that's very cheap. Yep. And speaking of, uh, each of your cast Space Marine units, I believe, can take take one of those new chain cannons, right? They can. Yes. That would. Oh. Very point efficient way to just load out some chain cannons and away you go. Yep. Um, other options for renegades Crimson Slaughter is okay. It lets you yeah. uh, try to farm command points using an alternative method. Uh, so it's all right. I don't think it's necessarily as good as Red Corsairs. It feels like it's a year late. Like it's late to the party. Yeah. And once they nerfed the command point regeneration that mm-hmm. just kind of went out the door it it's the same way with the fallen right like yeah. the, the rules for the fallen that have come out and we can talk about a little bit but they they try to deny the ability to regenerate command points and it still probably has a little bit of a place but the fact that you're capped at one per turn and most of them are on a five up or a six up yeah it just it's nowhere near the problem it was before so it means your stuff is just nowhere near as needed anymore for that. Yeah, uh, the purge is amazing. 
Um, effectively, you re-roll hit rolls for all attacks made against units who are not at full strength. So, that first turn, you apply scratch damage to as much things as possible, and then from there on out, you re-roll everything, all of your hits. Um, which is just amazing. Yeah. It, easily yeah. worth giving up veterans of the long war. Uh, well, there's a caveat there, Mike. You cannot give veterans of the long war to renegade chapters. Well, that's the reason why I say you give up veterans of the long war. Oh, you get yeah. Yeah. So, uh, this to explain. So, the rene- anything with the renegade traits, so either the generic chapter trait or the any of the renegade traits out of Vigilus, cannot use veterans of the long war. So, effectively, you that's the reason why these traits are seem a little more powerful than the regular chaos traits is because they sort of make up for that. Um, scourged is okay. Um, I don't think it's great like the Purge or Red Corsairs is. Um, Brazen Beasts are actually, it's okay as well. Um, effectively, they, uh, when they charge in, they get a chance of rending, much like, uh, Bladestorm does for Eldar, Shuriken Weapons, and the Flawless Host. Uh, effectively gets to death to the false emperor against everyone in addition to regular death to the false emperor. So for instance, against Marines, every roll of six to hit would generate two extra attacks. Well, that would be really good with like berserkers, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it would. Uh, berserkers with chain sword, chain axe, and just blend everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So there's there's all sorts of I mean one of the things that's great about this is there is a lot of content here. Um, there's a lot to still kind of sift through. Um, I know one of the common things that I wanted to make sure got talked about a little bit is the fact that you have your chain, um, which is a combo where you take like castle and you've got five attacks. Um, I believe you make them black legion. Um, and you give them a, uh, is it the Relic Chain Sword where on a six it does a mortal wound? Uh, yeah, it's a, the new relic for them yeah. called uh, Gress Vex's Teeth. It's an AP <laughs> like minus, you- it's an AP minus three damage two chain sword. So, yeah, you, you, and then you're doing mortal wounds on sixes from the chain sword, right? Yeah. And then you're, and then there's a warlord trait in the regular chaos codex that, on sixes you do mortal wounds. So on sixes you're doing two mortal wounds, and if you throw prescience or you give them plus one to hit or anything like that, then it's two mortal wounds on five ups. And he pretty much has the potential to just go absolutely berserk on something. Mm-hmm. Where was it? It was a thing I was looking for. <laughs> and so we so we've got a whole bunch of the um, the detachments also to just quickly talk on in the vigilus piece. But I was noticing that it doesn't look like the where did the renegades go? Did they post the renegade stuff in the Chaos Space Marine 
Codex? I don't. No, they did not post any of the new Renegade stuff in the. All right, so so that's another. That looks like another point of why you're going to need both books here is the fact that the new Renegade stuff is in the Vigilist book, and if you mm -hmm. are picking up Chaos Space Marines, I mean, why did they do that? That's... Uh, I I actually don't have a good answer for you there. That's. I mean, if I'm a new player and I'm picking up Chaos Space Marines, that's pretty annoying right there, right? Like, yeah. You mean to tell me there's special rules for these other special Renegade chapters that's in this other book? And you didn't put that in my codex? Yeah. No. Uh, I guess the um I guess the other thing that's really cool is that, you know, the just Here we are. looking through this and realizing that they've actually added stratagems for a lot of these renegade chapters. Even if it's, yeah. it's really good. So that, yeah, they added a warlord trait, a stratagem, and an artifact for each. Um, and of the yep, each chapters. of the renegade chapters. Right. Sorry to cut you off. Um, but then each of the each of the specialist attachments as well, which we can get into. Um, you also get a free relic for the CP if I'm reading the rules right. Right. Uh, yes, if you include the special detachment, you get the relic. Um, right. As long as your detachment that you made uh, the specialist attachment uh, has a character uh, with the right equipment, of course. Got it. So just looking at some of these stratagems in there for the Renegades, um, the Flawless Host actually has a really good one. Yeah, so Flawless Host is, was one of the better ones. I almost feel like wasn't Flawless Host the one where you get the uh, the bone like the one we were talking about for the Berserkers? Yeah, they they get the uh, extra um, death to false emperor. They get the away. extra attack, but then that would yeah. stack against Imperium too, right? Like you yes, against Imperium, mm -hmm. which is amazing. So if you take Flawless Host Berserkers, you're almost better off. Well, maybe maybe it's not better off than taking World Eater Berserkers, but. If you look at this, though, you can reroll for a command point. Just one command point, you can reroll all your failed attacks for mm -hmm. them until the end of the phase. Yeah. And just dump a ton of attacks into a unit. And uh, it will very easily clear through pretty much anything that isn't super tough, at the very least. I almost, I almost feel like the fact that if you're going to... So if you think about it, if you're running Berserkers today... You're running them probably with Karn, so you get that failed all failed hits. And yeah. You can, if you play Karn smart, what you can do is use your your pile in and your consolidate to um, pile in a, outside of one inch of your guys, and then consolidate within one inch of your guys, or use your berserkers to then uh, consolidate within one inch of them, so that when you fight, you're within one inch. Um, so that's kind of the game you have to play with those two. Uh, yeah. But if, if I'm thinking about that. I can almost take a. I can replace Karn with a Dark Apostle, get prayers, and then mm -hmm. I don't even need to have the Apostle run with the Berserkers at that point. I could use. I could take them as flawless host, and then just basically use the one command point to get them reroll all failed hits. And yeah. most of the time, Berserkers are only going to need to fight once, and then they're probably going to get you know annihilated or shot or whatever afterwards. 
So mm-hmm. I kind of feel like Flawless Host might be the way to run Berserkers now. I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Flawless huh. um, Host is good. Crimson Solder actually has a funny stratagem. Um, effectively, you pick a terrain feature within 12 inches of a Crimson Solder unit, and all enemy units within 3 inches of terrain feature suffer minus 1 to hit. As the uh, terrain feature literally just comes to life and starts fighting them. Uh, so your um, your what do you call it? Your dark reapers that are sitting there. Yeah, you're minus one to hit. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So against them, it doesn't do anything because they always hit on threes. But against pretty much anything else, that's oh. kind of funny. Uh, why Red you corsairs. Have, why, you have to remind me why those things are so freaking. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't, you'll go in and you'll forget, and then you'll be super mad when you find out that wait, but I had minus five to hit. Don't care. Uh, <laughs> hit on threes. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate. You are very welcome. That is a service I provide. Um, the I think actually the stratagem that has been making the most waves online is the more where they came from stratagem for red corsairs. So it's three okay. CP, but it lets you just pick up a unit of red corsairs chaos base marines. And redeploy them within six inches of table edge. Like that unit and, you're bringing because yeah. you're bringing the extra command points. So why not just be able to reach? Yeah. And the big thing is it's full starting strength. So you have a yeah. big 20-man block of Chaos Space Marines. You're down to one guy. And it's like, oh, well, that one guy like, just radios home, gets some more buddies, comes back fresh, ready to start over again. Now, it is, it is a little bit um, command point restrictive. Yeah, uh, because it's three CP, and so if I think through the situation, if I'm down to one guy, chances are that's one guy at the end of a turn, or you know, even it's one or two or three or something like that from like a twenty minute squad. Um, I'm probably going to have to spend two command points just to ensure that they stay there, and then I use the three to do this. So in reality, when I look at something like this, I think it's probably more a 5CP strategy than just well, the stratagem itself. But That's assuming that your squad has been bled over... Oh, it takes all those casualties in one turn. If they've been lost a few guys every turn, then it might not be that. But even if you're just trying to use it to teleport, that's a huge ability to just put a unit in a disadvantageous position for your opponent. I, um, yeah, for 3CP, it's kind of expensive. It is. Like with Thousand Suns, I get it for free, right? With uh, Dark Mana Crystal. So, yeah. But, and it's not within six of the, the table edge, too. So. Yeah. Uh, let me consult. Although, and, I, and I have a feeling one of the things they're going to do is they're going to make this a one-time. Oh, yeah. I fully agree that they're going to give it the uh, Tide of Traders treatment. Yeah. So I guess the, the thing, my, I guess my take on it. So the uh, more where they came from is one CP more than Tide of Traders. Right. But it lets you move Chaos Space Marines as opposed to yeah. Cultists. Yeah, but they'll make it. Yeah, you're right. They, so they'll right. definitely make it once per battle. Might like Tide of Traders once they, I think they sort of wrap their head around it. Um, but it is definitely has potential for some shenanigans. Uh, another one that's actually very similar to a Thousand Suns one is the Burning Demon Heart. Yes. Which is basically, I throw a Mauler theme, for example, into something. 
Um, we have uh, Warplane Gargoyles, which is where you, for each unit around it, you, um, you basically get to say, uh, roll a d6, and on a X, it takes mortal wound, or d3 mortal wounds, mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, the Burning Demon Heart is actually kind of interesting, where you spend a command point, uh, and then on a d6, on a 2 to 4, it takes d3, but on a 5 to 6, it takes a flat 3. Yeah, though the difference between this and Warp Flame Gargoyles, though, is you pick a single unit as your target. Right, right. Which actually can be a little bit more effective because you might be in combat and say, oh, that Smash Captain there is yeah. about to kill my Demon Prince. Uh, no, wait, no. He takes three mortal wounds, he's dead. Mm -hmm. finished. He's finished off at this point. So. Yeah. Um, so, obviously... We have um, we have those stratagems. We have uh, some of the relics that are in there. They they actually added some warlord traits as well that are in there. Uh, yep. Some of them are kind of yeah I don't know too much. I mean there's a reroll wounds one for purge. Um, uh, red corsairs get an extra relic. Yeah, I mean they just keep stacking red corsairs, don't they? So. We got that. We have the the redeploy. We have the. I mean, they're. It's like they're making red corsairs like the space marine legion at this point. Yeah, I think that they're trying to one add a little more variety to the chaos space marine faction, but also sort of play up some of the I guess abilities of some of these renegade chapters because red corsairs, as you mentioned, are one of the most affluent non black legion chaos space green forces there is i mean they managed to capture gilliman and his entire like support force uh during uh rise of the primarch and they gave him a uh, or a bad and awarded them a blackstone fortress if i remember right yes he did right. yeah so they um they obviously are getting some love in this book so i have a feeling we're gonna see a lot of um red corsairs here coming soon yeah, I actually uh, I was surprised to see Crimson Slaughter mentioned here because they pretty much got completely butchered uh, at the end of seventh. Um, yeah. So I guess they managed to make a comeback. Yeah, for sure. Um, so just kind of moving on here, we've got the um, the specialist attachments here. So we've got a bunch of these that we could go through individually. Um, a bunch of them are actually pretty good. There's one for um, uh, Black Legion in here. Yeah, so there's one for Black Legion Terminators. Yeah. Which... And that's the Bringers of Despair. So they, mm -hmm. um, uh, this is the one. So basically, each of these, what's nice about each of these is if you spend a command point for either detachment, um, basically, you're upgrading a certain specific set of units in that detachment is how all of these seem to work. And then you get a relic, and then you get a couple command uh, stratagems with them. Um, and then I think they even give a, uh, a trait to the units that are in there. Um, so it's for one command point, it seems to be pretty good. And as long as you're not, as long as the command points in there aren't like two and three per use, there's actually a lot of good use in there uh, to a lot of these things. Um, yeah. You know, they, they, they end up. I think one of the things that I've been hearing from other people is that some of the detachments from the first Vigilus end up being kind of command point heavy. So yeah. end up running out of command points pretty quick. But these, I guess the nice thing is a lot of these are like one command point each, like almost all of them are. Yeah. So like um, 
bringers of despair the main thing is the warlord trait uh does effectively make sure um terminator hq become a chapter master for bringers of despair units uh we roll all hits um and then that's really good that's the relic power axe isn't bad uh the stratagems for it are okay so I guess where where you would probably use these guys is um, you'd probably have a bunch of because it's terminators, it's probably going to go good with the fact that we're already seeing a bunch of terminators using mm-hmm. power and uptick of terminators, and you could take a like a terminator bomb with combi bolters, and it's just the weight of the shots. The fact that terminators now get their full shots no matter whether they move or whether they just came in or how far they are away, they get their yeah. full shots no matter what, like vehicles. And so mm-hmm. you get you get your full rapid fire, you know, your four four shots from rapid fire with them, re-rolling all failed hits. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good, man. That's that's pretty damn good. Yeah. The um let's see devastation battery is solid. Um effectively lets you re-roll wounds uh when targeting vehicle re-roll wounds of one when attacking vehicles with uh Havex and Liberators. As long as you're within six of your warlord and a uh, warpsmith. Warpsmith and K-Source. K-Source, too. Yeah. Yeah. They have a niche little group of them that they put, put together. So, like, if you're taking your... Actually, that's nice because you can take your um, uh, your uh, uh, your spearhead detachment with your Chaos Lord or your Warpsmith and the other dudes that are in there. Although, it's kind of weird that they threw the Warpsmith in there. but Well, I mean, it, it's fluffy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give it that. But the you're probably going to take a Chaos Lord. And yeah. Though the big thing for them though is the these punishing volley uh, stratagem. Effectively, at the end of your opponent's first movement phase, you get to shoot. Yep. With one of your so I, batteries. So the really good the, the the good and the bad thing is is most likely you're loading up your Havocs with those new ridiculous eight shot chain cannons. Yeah. Downside is those chain cannons have a 24 inch range, mm-hmm. which means that on your first turn, if you have those chain cannons, there is, I don't think, any deployment except for maybe the corner to corner, nine inch from the center one, uh, that you will be in range to use that. If it's- uh, not, not necessarily. Uh, it depends on what you're up against, but you only have a 24 inch separation, even on the most, um, I guess, yeah, sparse deployment. No, yeah, it's all 24. Yeah, don't um, 24, which means there's no way for them to be within 24, right? That's the end, the end of their movement phase. So it's after they moved into no man's land. Right, but if I just assume that the, the biggest issue is going to be that stuff that shoots your Havocs, it's not going to be stuff that gets into combat. Like, Chaos is not going to have the problem of stuff assaulting me for the most part. Yeah, um, but like if a, a my army moves forward, on. I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, I can... I can, as a player, I can counter that by deploying differently. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to deploy in a way that I'm going to use that in a case where they come afterwards. But in cases where I'm facing like a shooting army that's about to obliterate me, this is where I think it gets interesting because your chain cannons aren't going to be probably the best thing to use. Probably you're going to be looking at like missile launchers or something like that where I can pretty much reach the whole table and I can shoot at whatever I want. And I got crack or frag missiles. That's just where my head's at at the point at, at the moment. Maybe auto yeah. cannons are a good fit in there as well, uh, because you got two damage minus one. 
um, you've got two shots apiece. Um, yeah. You know, that's kind of what I'm thinking because the, the chain cannon being as good as it is, yeah, you're, if your plan is to use it this way in the devastation battery, I think that is probably going to be where you're going to need to go. You need to avoid those chain cannons. Yeah, I think the devastation battery at least makes a case for using non-chain cannon Havocs at least some of the time. Yeah, they, they seem to also give the other one where it's like, <laughs> it's kind of like a, a Iron Warriors-ish rule where you can just re-roll failed, uh, uh, failed attacks against buildings. Yeah, but I mean, who actually brings buildings? Yeah, exactly. Nobody had, nobody's got time for that. Yeah. Um, let's see. Cult of the Damned. I kind of actually don't really like this one, to be honest. No. Um, just sort of. No, because I mean, you're, it, it's really just your your Dark Apostles, your Cultists. I mean, with them losing the Legion traits, I think Cultists basically just become a tech. Where I have to fill out a battalion for some command points. I have to take some Cultists. That's really all they're at at this point. Like the fact that they've lost their Legion trait. They and and they cap the amount of cultists you can have now. I don't think they're at forty anymore. I think they can only have thirty. Yeah, I think that was a change. Right. So, so you you definitely, I mean, not that not that forty cultists was a big thing that people were still taking. Um, the fact that you're losing that legion trait is a big thing. And I think cultists just become at this point something you take as a necessity to pay the tax for your for your so i actually see a use for this though um it's sort of stupid all right so here's what you do you take a dark apostle you pay one point to give him uh make him a cult of the damned dark apostle then he gets to reroll charges and he gets a flamer that's strength five, AP minus one, damage D three. Okay. It's a stupid uh, thing, but I mean, it, it's a use for it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess it's a free flamer. Yeah, I mean, reroll. Yeah, I mean, effectively, you're paying one CP for a warlord trait and a flamer. <sighs> yeah, that's sad. I do not like that detachment at all. Nah, it's it's not good. All right. Like, I got to re-roll charge rolls for my cultist. Come on. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> the demonkin one uh, lets you uh, let's see unmodified uh, rolls of six uh, basically um, give you one mortal wound. Yeah. So that's actually I see this being something that we could see because you already have possessed, you already have the greater possessed. You're I mean, if you're all in on the whole possession thing, you might as well run this, right? And you might as well if you're running them as a renegade thing with our uh, the thing where you can advance a charge like red court yeah. possessed. That's a thing now. So mm-hmm. I could advance and charge my my possessed if I needed to, and they're going to do one mortal wound in addition to their normal damage. Yeah, um, stratagems are fairly basic: plus one strength to uh, friendly demon kin u- units within six inches of a master possession, mm-hmm. and uh, inflicted damage to a unit to heal a character for D three. 
the you know i i really like at the end of the day i really like a lot of the, the possessed stuff um yeah that they're they're really giving a lot of bonuses to it but man even with two wounds at t4 and a five of thimble i feel like the possessed are still like for the points you're paying for them i feel mm-hmm. like they're just gonna get to it yeah i, I mean i so easy I, we discussed at one point my the possibility of me replacing my possessed with something else just because it's i've it's very hard to feel that they pull their weight um in equal points matchups mm-hmm. um i actually think that um the demonkin thing helps mitigate some of that of, of particularly the ability to pump out mortal wounds but even then that's a fairly risky proposition yeah and and even in seeing how they performed this past weekend i mean we had we had a pretty good player running possessed and he was running a lot of the new new chaos rules and everything yeah you know to give him the benefit of the doubt he hadn't played in a while but um they i was not impressed by the possessed or even the greater possessed i was just was not impressed by them Um, yeah i didn't i to put it this way i had a whole wall of those possessed rush magnus and Mm -hmm. magnus just basically stood there like a champ and went get out of my face yeah, so that's the thing. That, so possessed are really good against certain things, mostly basic infantry, but they tend to bounce off and get obliterated by anything with a decent invuln save and multi damage weapons. Which I guess is where this thing, where you get a mortal wound every time yeah. it's a wound, it, it gets really cool because that can really help, especially if you can give something nearby to like reroll wounds of one. Yeah, that might help a little bit. Um, that might make them a little more effective against pretty much everything, but mm-hmm. I mean, at that point, you're you're really, in, I mean, you have to go all in on this stuff, or you can't just kind of splash them. It doesn't seem like. No, that's not really how this, the especially the, the this particular specialist attachment works. You want to go heavy on it and make the most that you can out of it. Yeah. Let's see. So the, the next one on the Soul Forge pack, I believe, is one of the ones that I really like. Um, yeah. You're getting plus two movement on your, uh, on your demon engines, basically, mm-hmm. uh, which actually adds up pretty quick. So if you're advancing, that's four inches right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of whatever your D6 is, you can remember you can still warp time them. Uh, and then on top of that, there is a stratagem to allow them to advance a charge. Yeah, and the other stratagem allows them to treat double their effective wounds for purposes of their charts, which allows right. you to stay in the game longer. Right. Um, so you get your. There's been a lot of situations where my demon engine is like right at its bottom tier, or like two or three wounds are barely surviving. It's kind of like, wow, if I could have this thing at full fighting effectiveness right now, boom, one command point, I would pay it. Yeah, I can definitely see myself taking this uh, stratagem well it's a specialist attachment stratagem because it's just very solid for what it gives you just the, just the traits and the stratagems and what's there I mean you can yeah, e- even the relic is very good if you take it on the new um, big uh, mm-hmm. HQ warpsmith on the, the mount because his mount his base is so large you can get a ton of guys within one inch of him and yeah. get a ton of extra attacks 
Yeah, for sure. I, I, that works really good. Like, I would do that. Oh, well, you're getting it for free, right? Yeah, so, it's it's completely free. Yeah. So, like, that makes a lot of sense to take if you're definitely going against orcs or something like that. You definitely run that guy up. Put yeah. him within one. You know, that kind of thing. Um. Other than that, I mean, I don't think there's much else to say about this. I think um, I think that definitely has uh, potential. And I think of a lot of them, I think this is the one that Thousand Sons can probably work with a lot uh, because you can you can do a lot with Zinch Demons um, because you can give them a 5-up Imbolm uh, or 4-up Imbolm, sorry, because if you make them Zinch Demons, you can, you can then target it. Um, you can even give them plus one strength from your Heralds. You could give them a 6-up Feel No Pain from the Changeling. Uh, I'm just thinking about other things like yeah. Forge, Forge Fiend or something like that. Now you can actually give them plus one to wound, um, you know, from, yeah. from uh, Flickering Flames, you know, mm. stuff like that. So there, there's synergies there on the Demon Engines that I think the Soul Forge Pact is something to look at and consider. Yeah, though something you have to keep in mind is it is a Chaos Space Marine detachment, so it will be an ally under the new ITC rules if you want to play right. Pure Faction. Right, for sure. Um, uh, this one, so host Raptoral, Mike. I really, I have my eyes on this thing. I think there's some really good stuff here. The warp talents with this, I think, yeah. are going to be amazing. Yeah, with the warlord trait for a plus two to charge rolls, that's awesome. So your Tau Fire Warrior spam, where you can just annihilate anything on Overwatch, is gone. Mm -hmm. It's gone because now you just don't get Overwatch on it. So yeah. I'm going to charge in, and I'm just basically going to obliterate you now with my, you know, bean um, warp talons. And if they're world eater warp talons, even better. Yeah, yeah. This is very solid. The uh, relic is actually very good because mm -hmm. um, it just you as you move across, you have a chance to deal mortal wounds. Mm -hmm. um, although, although that's interesting. GW changed that rule where you can't, the fly rule does not apply in the charge phase. So why would they say for each enemy you move across in the charge phase? I don't know. <laughs> I, you know what? Only, so far I, we found I like... Imagine, I would have to imagine that what their hope is is that they are going to fix that so that you can still fly in the charge phase, but they're going to reward it in the big fact to make it so that you know you have to measure... You know, in terms of measuring the distance, you still have to measure the, the full distance to get down there. Yeah. Or alternatively, they just weren't thinking about it and made another misprint because <laughs> we found a few of them so far. Yeah. Um, I can see this working really well, though, if you if you wanted to take like a um, uh, something that could do mortal wounds on sixes or whatever as your warlord, and then you just bring them down with a jump pack with these guys and just. Yeah, um, but yeah, the host of reptorials awesome with warp uh, talons in particular because the vicious descent, you come down, charge in, reroll hits, reroll wounds, tons of damage. Another, another thing, it's really good against Yanari. They have that overwatch or the uh, intercept stratagem. Doesn't matter now because you can't you can't use the intercept stratagem on them. Uh, yeah, you can. Uh, because it's not Overwatch. It's literally just you come down, I shoot you. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna crawl in a corner and cry now because. <laughs> yeah. 
No, I trust me. I did that to a Smash Captain this weekend, and he was just like, "Wait, you can do that?" It's like, "Yes, I can." Uh, Weep in despair. Yep. Best thing my Wraith and I did all weekend. (laughs) Again, hats off to you for actually running a Wraith. You know, I did better than I expected, to be honest. But uh, (laughs) he's definitely going to go on the shelf next to Magnus. And uh, just not see the light of day. (laughs) All right. So Fallen Angels, I think we kind of touched on this a little bit. They have a bunch of stuff to deny um, to, to not deny you regaining stratagems. I don't yeah. know if there's much time worth spending looking at these guys because you're you're a little late to the party, guys. So, no. I mean, to be completely frank, all this really does is allow the fallen the fallen units to do what they should have been able to do in the first place. Right. Because. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, I can get rhinos and sorcerers, that, oh, characters that aren't Cypher from my Fallen? What? No way! Well, without a doubt, there's now the questions around whether you can summon with the sorcerer, and can you bring in assassins with just, you know, Cypher in your list. Without a doubt, I think GW is gonna, gonna put a stop to that real quick. I think they're gonna, they're gonna prevent Imperium from being able to summon, because that's stupid. And then they're gonna. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, the return of the Inquisition summoning demons because. Yeah. <laughs> or our buddy telling us all the time he had Eldar summoning demons back. Oh the... yeah. I mean, uh, so it's just we're we're at that point right now. But anyways, it might be a brief lived thing here because I think GW is gonna put a stop to these shenanigans real fast, and they'll, yeah. they'll patch that up. I think so. They'll stop chaos from taking assassins. They'll stop Imperium from being able to, uh, you know, summon. So. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that uh, the Fallen Angels attachment is it's good, fluffy. Uh, it's fun. Lets you do things you just really should have been able to do in the first place. However, I do not think it's going to see much competitive play uh, because effectively you're either having to take a Vanguard detachment which for one command point or slot them into some other type of detachment. Um, it just doesn't play well um, from a competitive standpoint. Yep. I agree. I agree. And plus, I mean, none of their stuff synergizes with anything. So you're pretty much, I mean, if you're, if you're obviously using them in a soup situation, so what are you souping with? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, Legion of Skulls uh, is a garbage corn of uh, or demons of corn detachment here. Uh, I'll just put that out there. <laughs> I think it's garbage. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's... I mean, you regain some wounds, but whatever. <laughs> Nothing more need be said. I there. just don't see what. I mean, yep. I don't see what you use this for when it already has everything. Like, corn demons already have everything they, that really this does. Like, I can add two to my charge rolls for the units. I mean, if there's something already in there, well, I probably took a banner if I'm doing a bloodletter bomb. And this only applies to bloodletters. So, and, and whatever. Uh, yeah, and actually, it only applies to bloodletters. So, 
if I take a if I take a banner, what do I care? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's because it's two command points to do that. So effectively, unless you have three units of blood letters, uh, it's not going to save you any command points using this strategy. No, it's not at all. Yeah. It's just nah. like the Vindicators. So I don't get it. Moving on. Anyways, uh, so that pretty much, I think we've, we've gotten through all the specialist attachments there. Um, Black Legion uh, is the next thing that's up here. They've got some relics, stratagems, some other stuff. Just real specific. Yeah. Um, some of it is actually like Let the Galaxy Burn. It's a reprint. They've already got that. Um, I think the one that's going to be pretty useful is Chosen of the Pantheon, where they can just give everything, give it all uh, keywords. I can't think off the top of my head of all the situations where you could use it, but I think that's what makes it really good is the fact that you can just choose a Legion unit, and it's not an infantry unit or anything. It's just pick a Black Legion unit, and it gains all of the character, all of the uh, chaos keywords. Yeah. There's got to be a situation in there where that's going to be pretty useful. So, I, you know, I just look at the, the possibilities there. Thinking. World Killer sounds really good. Um, you know, the, the, the fact that you could be at the end of the game and you save those three command points. I think this is much more of a tournament CP, a tournament strategy up here. Yeah. Where you, uh, can, you can control something even though someone else is contesting it. Yeah. Relics of the Long War is still the same thing. Uh, merciless fighters. Um, effectively, if you already outnumber a unit, you get more attacks. Uh, something that they uh, actually uh, Sons of Horus do in 30k is this ability right here. Mm -hmm. um, tip of the spear is good uh, for just clearing out yep. units that are close by. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, if you do a devastation battery and you put something else out in front, I mean. You could yep. same thing. I mean, you got that unit of havoc still sitting out there potentially. There you go. Yeah, and then uh, Council of Traders is actually really good. Um, I really like that. Just the fact that you can get all those extra uh, warlord traits. I mean, anytime you can take extra warlord traits is fantastic. Yeah, definitely agree with that. So we were talking about the relics too. Uh, we were talking about the chain sword. Um, that obviously is the first one that's right at the top. Um, yeah, that one's making some waves at the moment. I actually just yeah. even as even without the um, shenanigans you can do with it, it just on paper is an excellent relic. It's really damn good, really really good. Yeah. Um, all the other ones, I mean, there's a little leadership shenanigan one, um, but I, again, they keep adding like they keep adding these like leadership minus one modifiers for leadership stuff for chaos, and it's kind of like. Why do they keep doing that? They're, they're... I think they want to make it a thing, but they just—it's so niche and difficult to actually take advantage of. That... When every yeah, when every army has a two command point, ignore it stratagem, like it completely defeats the purpose of it. Yeah, though I think one thing there though is the fact that two command points to negate leadership penalties is a fairly hefty cost for something that might not be useful. Um, but. Well, I, maybe. Maybe, but most of the armies that you want to use it on, like Tyranids and Orcs and 
you know, stuff like that. Like they just, they freaking ignore it. Yeah. They just ignore it. It just doesn't, they have abilities that ignore it. So it's kind of like, what the, it, it's what keeps Night Lords, I think, from being a thing at the moment. They actually, like, if you look at their strategy, I'm in the Chaos Space Marine Codex, it's really good. I mean, you just, something getting shot at. Might as yeah. well hit. There you go. I mean, that's even better than the Demons one where you, you warp surge or whatever. Yeah. Just, it just can't be useful until they they give Night Lords or something like you know the the or something in here to say you are not allowed to spend sh- command points to you know defeat morale. Tyranids, I get like if that's Tyranids thing, fine, we can live with it. It's a hard counter to the problem. But yeah, when you give everybody in the entire game a two command point, ignore leadership or ignore morale issue. That's a problem. Yeah. Well, like, um, doesn't care about this. In fact, because effectively, regardless of what leadership modifiers you give them, they only ever lose one guy. Right. Then there's tons of armies that have that thing, too. Yeah. So it's just, uh, they haven't thought that through. They just have not thought that through at all. Yeah. Um, moving on. So the Spiteless Helm is okay. Um, effectively, it improve, increases the AP of any weapon used by one. Um, but that's sort of situational. Uh, Angel's Bane as well, you know. Yeah, you know, like in the best situation, I'm at a three up, right? Yeah, why would, I mean, why would I take this? Well, I mean, who actually shoots with their like chaos lords and exalted champions? Generally speaking, you're trying to get them in close combat. Yeah, but if I need to shoot with them, if they have a pistol, I can use like the uh, the demon bolt with them. Yeah. Very true. Sorry, demon shell. So I don't even. Yeah. I mean, it's on a two up. So. Mm-hmm. I mean. Um, I, I think it has some like niche use. Uh, maybe on the uh, master of execution. Potentially to give him my AP minus four since he doesn't have a gun anyways. But I don't think it's necessarily nothing on this list compares to the um, relic That's... chain sword. That's a good. That's a good observation because it says it's the bearer's weapons, not just his shooting. Attacks. Yes. You know, for me, thinking shooting attacks, that's kind of where that is because it's affecting ballistics. So, yeah. Yeah, I could see that being a good move. Yeah. But again, um, I mean, Black Legion, are you taking an executioner, or is that that where he's going to best slide? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Angel's Bane is kind of derpy. Uh, it's a. Relic Combi Bolter um, has better strength, better AP, damage 2, with special bonuses versus Imperium, but it just doesn't seem worth it compared to the Chainsword. Really, the main problem I'm drawing with all these is that I have to compare them to the dumb Chainsword. (laughs) And Give me a reason to take something other than the Chainsword, right? Yeah. Uh, Cloak of Conquest is cool. Um, it's the what the Soul Trap used to do for Dark Eldar. Mm-hmm. But you have to kill characters with it, and how often is your character going to go around killing other characters? It doesn't happen ex- very often. Again, the Executioner. But then you have the Chainsword. And then the uh, Spine Shiver Blade yeah. uh, is actually pretty cool. Um, it's a power sword that Gives you plus one strength, and you make an extra D six attack. So it's an actually like an old school demon weapon. So it's a little bit better than the Alpha Legion chainsword. 
Yeah. Except for but, the damage. Isn't yeah. the damage on the chainsword for them a little bit better? I think it's damage too on the Alpha Legion version. Yeah. Yeah. So that is better without a doubt. I would yeah. I would rather take D three attacks with two damage than D six attacks on one damage. Yeah. Just personally. But again, not as good as the chainsword. No. And then we got some of the uh, the warlord traits. So the um, they have one where you can, which is veteran raider, uh, which is basically you can charge, fall back and charge. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, anything mm-hmm. within six inches of it. Yeah, and uh, Dominable is excellent. Take it on a demon prince and just laugh if he oh, refuses yeah. to die. Oh yeah, it's a badens. It's a badens have damage uh, warlord trait. Uh, that's that's phenomenal. And the fact that. Um, you get the ability, like Black Legion, can take additional warlord traits. Like mm-hmm. there you go, you know, you can take a bad, and then you can give something else that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Black uh, Brute, uh, you get one strength, um, and then within, if you're within one of an enemy unit, you and you charge, you can deal mortal wounds. Um, whenever your warlord, soul leader, when you kill a unit, uh, regain a D three lost wounds. It's like that's... Crimson Slaughter's stuff in a way, I guess. Yeah, it's, I mean, like it's solid because it doesn't specify how you get it. It's just you, you get it. Um, let's see. Uh, they have a command uh, refund warlord trait now. That one I think is probably going to be pretty useful for those guys. Yeah, especially again, especially because you can to get multiple warlord traits. That's almost an auto include. Yeah. What's so good about that is the fact that you can on a it's on a five up that you refund it. And yeah. Black Legion has a bunch of like one up, one command point stuff uh, with like their specialist stratagems or the specialist attachments that are you like. You have a ton of stuff to spend just one command point. Yeah. And then uh, first among traders is all right. It effectively lets them be almost like uh, Emperor's yep. children. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think that literally covers everything that's sort of relevant. Pretty much, and they had a they had one little blurb here at the end. Uh, we we covered some of the renegade stuff. I think um, they had some of the warlord traits for them, uh, some of the relics for the warlord or for the renegade stuff. Um, I don't know that we got into that or not. Did we? we we did a little bit. Well, I think um, I think overall there's. There's some things in here that I think you can synergize with Thousand Suns. I think from a from a a Zinch standpoint. So like we talked about the Demon Engines, we talked about yeah. um, you know. the Demon Engines, the uh, Red Corsairs CP battery, yeah, uh, the Noctilith uh, Crown. Um, I could see it. I could see you running a Red Corsairs battalion that has three Chaos Space Marine units. Um, and you might take like a havoc unit in there as well. Yeah. And then you take that battalion, and that basically feeds you tons of command points. And then now I don't. If I'm already up to like eleven command points right there, I don't have to really worry about all that much. Like I can take a I can take a supreme command at that point. Aramon and a couple demon princes, maybe Magnus as well. Yeah. Um, like I think there's a there's a possibility to do some stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, uh, all the new stuff obviously works very well uh, if you sort of take the units that synergize with it um, and make it 
can shore up some of the deficiencies a thousand suns list may have um but i think the those sort of the red corsairs thing the noctilith crown and the various demon engine support are the most important sort of takeaways for a thousand suns player um and then obviously um keep in mind that as a thousand player you'll inevitably wind up playing against these things and so sort of being familiar with the new rules going in will be very important because for instance the specialist attachments give you them some extra stratagems and world traits you might not be familiar with yeah and i think that kind of alludes itself to the the, the points we were making about some of those some of the um the stuff that buff life possessed and some yeah. of the newer stuff that you're going to see um if you're target if you can you can use psychic powers to target those things so like bolt change Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in Pearl Gaze, Zinx's Firestorm, those things can actually target those characters. And, yeah. You know, I think on average, probably two of them is going to kill one of those, one, like a Master Possession or um, a Greater Possessed or something like that. And, you know, that's the kind of thing where you can immediately shut down, you know, if they have the Relic or whatever that gives the, uh, uh, the Mortal stuff like that. Like, you can just, you can just stuff that, shut that stuff down before they even get to it. Yeah, which that's very important with the uh, new units is sort of nothing is super powerful on its own, but if they have the right characters, that synergizes extremely well and almost doubles the capacity of what they can do. And so yeah. wiping, killing them quickly uh, will make your life much, much easier yeah. uh, as the game goes on. Yep, and I think you can, um, I can, I think you can easily put something like a Zangor group or a Zangor blob of like 25 or more into a unit of possessed. And I think you can pretty much eliminate the possessed. I think, I think you can pretty much take them out because the possessed are going to swing back at you, but they're not going to be nearly at the same strength assuming you get the charge Yeah, and you're going to be able to swing a second time against them. And I don't think the possessed can swing a second time unless they are corn and then they can. Correct. But I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to be able to swing a second time. I think your Zangor should be able to handle the, the possessed without a doubt. Yeah. The so for po- possessed, uh, they're so they have two wounds. Um, so anything they can do that deals either mortal wounds or multiple damage per hit are going to be extremely useful um, for killing them efficiently. Yeah. Uh, and. Uh, so they have a five of invuln save, which can be modified, but most people aren't going to bother. Um, and so anything more than AP two is wasted on them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I think you can, I think you can also uh, count on just the fact that like they have to come to you as well. Yeah, that can also be something that can work into your favor. So if you just if you work on measuring like how far they can go even even if you consider hey they have a sorcerer in a couple of times okay yeah great. Uh, they still have to get to you somehow so uh, another thing that can work really good a lot of them have to rely on transports for that you can surround the transports with your zangors um mm-hmm. a, like a rhino for instance um you can surround the rhino with your your zangors and just basically you know boom the everything that was in the rhino is dead because it can't get out so. yeah so, all right. other than that, I think we've uh, pretty much touched on all of that, Mike. Um, yeah, I think we're pretty much good. Yeah, so 
Thousand Suns, I mean, sorry, sorry to be the Bears of bad news. There's, you know, hope you didn't wait until the end here, but uh, uh, to find out that it's all bad news, it really, it really isn't. There, I think yeah. there's some things in there that work, but uh, at the same time, this was a chaos space for your release. So, you know, to, to expect a lot for Thousand Suns, you know, if we got a, if we had a detachment in there, I wouldn't have been surprised, but, you know, at the same time, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. So, uh, hopefully by, uh, end of the year we have some kind of specialist attachment so i'm sure I, Madden can't get this done without the thousand suns help right well the thousand suns did actually show up they uh, fought dark eldar and uh dark eldar decided that well if we can't win nobody can win <laughs> and just froze the entire continent in in uh like ice age style glaciers with nice. the thousand suns being stuck underneath the glacier nice. so it did not kill them oh, wait that's not but, nice no. but just <laughs> now they're stuck. And the Dark Eldar is like, aha, we win! They ran away because they're Dark Eldar. Oh, yep. So the uh, one so entry. There's your, there's your reason to go le- read the uh, the lore and the uh, the story so far. So. <laughs> and at least we can remember this, Mike, that, you know, regardless of where it turns out, Magnus did nothing wrong. Nope. Magnus did nothing wrong. Alright, guys. Until next time. <laughs>